is wrong with you? I don't know. I'm slap happy. I took that um that cough syrup from the dollar store. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows what was in it? But my throat does feel better. Good. I know. It's been the only thing that's worked. All right. Notes are pulled up. Levels are good. We are ready to podcast. Austin. Oh my gosh! You <laughs> slipped that one in. I wasn't expecting it. <laughs> who, uh, yeah. Who am I talking you know, to? <laughs> Who's this? <laughs> I'm your host, Hannah Chapman, and I guess for this week, I'm uh, Team Bronto. Whoa! It feels weird. It's weird. Well, we live in the upside down. 2017 is definitely the upside down. Is that a Stranger Things joke? Oh, it is. I forgot. Uh, I need to finish watching it. Mm. Well, um, <laughs> yeah, we've gone topsy-turvy this episode. I'm going to be fighting for Jane Austen. Um, as we are going to be talking about Northanger Abbey and Jane Eyre. So this is crazy because um, Jane Eyre is clearly the better book. <laughs> Yeah, and I feel like everyone must be thinking <laughs> Lauren really loves a losing battle. <laughs> like she really fights for the underdog. And no, this is only fair because you got stalked by Heathcliff, and I was stuck with Mister Darcy. So now I get to talk <laughs> about the big boy. <laughs> there you go. Well, um, yeah, I I just wanted to also reread Northanger Abbey because it's been quite a while. And um, you were reading Jane Eyre for the first time. So it kind of made sense that, you know, we just sort of swap sides uh, for this week. Um, it's just yeah. one just one week, though. Just one week. Just one week. I mean, oh, yeah. I'm going back. back on Team Austin. Absolutely. <laughs> back on Team Bronte, like, after this episode. So no <laughs> worries. <laughs> no worries. So let's jump right in here because we have a lot to talk about. In fact, this episode will probably be divided into two episodes. We're Sorry, awful. guys. Sorry. But you know what? We do want to have a very thoughtful, long discussion about Jane Eyre. Oh, my God. So, by the way, my neighbors are doing some construction. If you guys can hear it, yeah, so I apologize. I. Really? Okay. Yeah, there's been like a drill all morning. Yeah, same here. On and off. On and off. Um, so sorry, I just have to live with it. Also, full disclosure, I have had a cold for like four weeks, which I have been editing around in the podcast. Um, so if you hear me just like abruptly run off mic to have a coughing fit, I also apologize. Well, uh, yeah. full disclosure, I'm really hungover. So. <laughs> <laughs> we just want to be open and honest with you. This is like, this is an open, honest, safe space. All right, so let's... uh are going to work again. <laughs> probably not. Let's jump into uh, what is gothic literature, because... Well, um, are they both gothic literatures? Sort of, yeah. Yeah, I think we need to understand what gothic literature is, sort of basically, to get into both of these books, to be honest, right? Yeah, I, I didn't know they were both gothic literature. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Tell me more. Let's talk about it. Well, I love gothic literature. Um, you know, as I said in episode zero and episode one as well, I think, 
I loved um, The Secret Garden, which we'll talk a little bit about later on. Not um, by the Brontes. Not by the Brontes. Um, and that was like my sort of my first favorite book. And that book has a lot of gothic elements, sort of, you know. So that's how I got, got my start in the genre. I love ghost stories. I love spooky things. Like, I'm all about it. So gothic literature actually dates back to the 18th century, um, where it was basically like the trash genre that was like popular in circulating libraries. Um, so these are books that sort of com- like have elements that are like horror elements, romanticism, like combined. Um, big themes in, in Gothic literature include like supernatural beings, curses, damsels in distress, romance, madness, and um, decaying castles. So that's my favorite thing is always like this architecture element too, this giant, beautiful house that's sort of spooky and falling apart. And yeah. 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 Love it. Um, Horace Walpole. That's quite the name. Um, His book, The Castle of Otranto, is credited with sort of kicking off the genre. So um, haven't read that one. I thought about it. Then I decided not to because I was diving into um, Mysteries of Adolfo by Anne Radcliffe, which is featured heavily in Northanger Abbey. I had not read it before. So I wanted to sort of like give it a quick read for this podcast, which I found out is pretty much impossible because there's nothing quick about that book. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, I know. I was like, I was like, I'm going to read this book for the podcast. This is great. I'll just, you know, quickly do it. And then I just couldn't do it. (laughs) That's kind of how I felt about, um, not, yeah, the secret when we read the juvenilia, I was like, this will be quick. They're so short. And I was like, Oh God, (laughs) God, I didn't realize it was terrible. Thank God. Thank God these people grew up into good writers because I'm not enjoying this. Well, is like really still pretty, really popular. I, I don't know. Um, I, what's funny about Udolfo is I thought they were like, the first time I read Northanger Abbey, I didn't realize it was a real book, like Udol- Mysteries of Udolfo. I thought yeah. like Jane, Jane Austen had just made up a book and like, was I making fun that- of it. The guy who wrote Huckleberry Finn made up Tom Sawyer in the intro to Huckleberry Finn. Have right. I said this on the podcast before? You have. Oh, God. It just, I can't, I still can't believe it. We can cut <laughs> this bit out. Everything reminds me of it. Oh, gosh. Well, it's, um, in Northanger Abbey, it's like, it's pretty shady, though, right? I mean, Austin is basically just bashing a real book and a real author. I think in one of the adaptations, they go and visit her, don't they? Um, in Becoming Jane, the movie oh. with Anne uh, Hathaway, there's like a scene with Mrs. Radcliffe, which again, I was, I'm a terrible person. I was going to watch that scene for this episode of the podcast. And then I threw on that movie and I kind of got bored and started cleaning. And then I missed the scene. And then I came back and was like, oh, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to rewind. <laughs> I feel, yeah, I feel like Rewind would have been, like, a, a whole option there. It, it really would have. I just didn't, I didn't go the extra mile. I'm sorry, guys. Um, if it makes anyone feel better, I did neither of those things. Okay. Because this week I'm Team Bronte, so it doesn't have to. I had good intentions, but it just all fell apart. <laughs> um, so anyway, back to you, Dolfo. Um, 
Jane Austen is just sort of like openly talking about Anne Radcliffe, not only in um, Northanger Abbey, but also in um, Emma, I think, too. Like her kind of first um, Harriet. Harriet's into Anne Radcliffe. And yeah, it's sort okay. of like, oh, yeah, she, you know, well, she reads Anne Radcliffe, so, you know. She and then they it. go and they write that list of books to read to improve themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she never- so, um, I don't know. I think it's a little shady. It's kind of like if we were writing a book and we started calling out, I don't know. John Mullen. No, because we love John Mullen. We do love John Mullen. But, but imagine if in it there was this guy called John Mullen and we just made fun <laughs> of him, like just in the book. That'd be rude. Be shady. We called him Mon Jolin. Yeah. And we just... <laughs> well, she wasn't, even, <laughs> she wasn't even cloaking it. She was like out and out, like Anne Radcliffe, this book. Like It'd be like if we wrote a book and we were making fun of like Stephanie Meyer's Twilight in the book, you know? Yeah, okay. Yeah. I guess it is more like all the characters. I would do that in a book, though. Are you I, kidding me? You know what's funny is I wrote down that it was shady. And then like two minutes later, I was also like... But I would totally do it. <laughs> I would do it. Like, I don't mind. I, I, I call out Twilight and Fifty Shades. Yeah, we're going to do it all. We're just going to do a book that's just a hit I'm piece on I'm probably going to get, like, a lot of enemies. I'd probably throw in The Hunger Games as well, because I'm not about that. Oh, I mm-hmm. enjoyed The Hunger Games. I'm into it. Don't tell me The Hunger Games is so different to Twilight. Don't tell me it's teaching people different values. I didn't buy it. It's, it's definitely um, well-written. It's a well-written book certainly it's, more it's, than twilight it's fine it's a finely written book wow okay wow wow this is truly a literature smackdown podcast fight me i'll come over there to england and fight you just you gotta uh, wait i'll, I'll be over there wednesday the... suzanne collins sorry suzanne collins fight me no I'm <laughs> <laughs> uh i would lose also you're like you're a successful writer. Who am I to cast aspersions? I can do it. All of them are successful writers, actually. They yeah, I'm more successful than that. Yeah, way um, more. What am way I doing? more. Back in my bridges. <laughs> yeah, we love you all. So, um, Udolfo, I didn't really get through it. I sort of flipped through it, um, but I will just give you a brief synopsis of what went down in that book. Um, the heroine is the beautiful and the virtuous um, Emily St. Aubert. Uh, Emily is orphaned and she's forced to go live with her aunt and her e- like her aunt's evil husband, uh, Montoni. And uh, he does things like, you know, tries to get Emily to marry one of his boys and he locks her in the castle. And eventually, you know, Emily escapes and she marries her true love, Valancourt. Read. Yeah. So um, there's a bunch of like, you know, seemingly supernatural occurrences in this book. Um, so I say seemingly supernatural. It's all these like spooky things that happen, but they actually have reasonable explanations behind them. Um, spoiler alert, like all the books that we were discussed today, like have the same same thing happen, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, this book is kind of, you know... What it, what it kind of kicked off in literature was this sort of like you have this like psychological terror over bodily gore. So that's like the big thing that happens in this book. And I think that's actually like a John Mullen quote. <laughs> 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 but um, so the book is, you know, it, again, the seemingly supernatural, like the suspense 
um, the psychological terror. There's not a lot of like, just, yeah, there's not a lot of bloody bits and gore. It's just, it's all, it's all internal. Um, so, uh, yeah, so that's something that Jane Austen really picked up on. And that's something that, uh, Charlotte Bronte really picked up on. And they both sort of use that in Northanger Abbey and Jane Eyre in very different ways. Um, also a side note. Although Jane Eyre is like more bloody than Northanger Abbey. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But it's more, it's more about the psychological than gore. Well, I guess we can argue about that. Oh, all right. Yeah, we'll have that fight. Um, Also, just as a side note, I just want to say that they did say the dance in Udolpho. So this is just like proving my thing that like British people are always going on about damp and the damp in their house. Yeah. Well, I literally had a damp specialist in my house this week. I don't know why it makes and me I laugh kept calling so much. Him, I kept calling him the damp man. <laughs> and since then, if we think someone's being like, let down, we call him the damp man. <laughs> it's not funny. It's not funny. Uh, don't be uh, such a damp man. <laughs> <laughs> it is hilarious. I don't know why. It's hilarious. I'm into it. Can you beat this out? It's We're saying it instead of... Uh, the damn man is to replace man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I will beep that. But out. every time I say, you should, yeah, yeah, I'll beep it out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why the beeps are so funny. Oh, okay, so sorry, I interrupted a point you were trying to make. No, I what? just, I just like on, like I was reading through the book and then I saw the damps in there and I was like, oh, gotta make a note of that. <laughs> <laughs> That was the most important thing. That was the thing that thrilled me most when I was reading um, Mysteries of Udolpho. That's hilarious. I know, right? Well, I have a few things to say about Jane Austen um, and sort of the time period that she lived in before we jump into the discussion about Northanger Abbey, because um, I think that's going to put some of the things that we discuss in context a little bit. So... um, I just want to say that Jane Austen lived in a time where reading novels was very popular with the middle classes. Um, my understanding looked down upon from the upper classes, or maybe they just like did it in secret. I think it's like watching reality. Probably because it's not like it's not learned, is it? It's yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> it's not Latin or French. I think it's like watching reality TV. Yeah, you know how you'll talk yeah, to someone. Yeah, they were trashy, weren't they? They were trashy. They were, like, yeah. Trashy and shocking. Yeah, and it's like how you'll talk to someone like, "Oh, do you watch? You know, you know, do you watch any reality TV?" And they're like, "No, no, 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 no." But I like, downstairs, like waiting to watch The Bachelorette with me. Oh, really? Like right now? And if someone, if if you know, if you said that to someone now, like, "Uh, my friends come over to watch The Bachelorette," it's the equivalent of my friends come over to read the latest like edition of mystery of Udolpho. Girl trapped in 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 castle. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. It totally is. Um, And, uh, you know, there was an article that came out this week. There's so many articles that came out this week about Jane Austen. But we were in one. We were in one in the Atlantic. We were in one in the Atlantic. Yeah. (laughs) And they called us professional Janeites. Yeah, which is, I mean, first of all, I I identify as a Janeite. Oh, you and don't. Second of, all, second of all, professional at what? <laughs> I thought it was lovely. It was so ni- it was so nice of them that I was like, oh man, 
Don't look yeah, at me no, as an I mean, authority. Don't quote us in your book. Yeah, I'm not intentionally trying to knock it. Like, thank you. It thank was you lovely. Very, it was really, oh, it was so exciting. <laughs> but um, another one of these articles that came out this week uh, was talking about how uh, Jane was reading this book called Lady McLaren. And um, it was a letter, actually. It was letters between her and her niece where they were making fun of Lady McLaren. So they were just like the equivalent of our Facebook chat messages where we're all talking about The Bachelorette and making fun of it. <laughs> yeah. So I really love this side of um, of Jane Austen. And um, I, I just, yeah, I love that she was just sort of like, she was into a trashy book. She was into making fun of it and um, kind of like wasn't ashamed of it, you know, and that they were all doing it together. I think that's I think, I think that's great. the best way to, to be. I like, think so to too. Not, not feel like you're above stuff. And to enjoy yeah. it for what it is and be able to, like, dissect that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think... Because um... it works the other way. Like, when you read highbrow stuff and you, you read it and you're like, well, this is a product of this person's, like... I Just, like, luck and opportunity and, like, privilege in some circumstances. Yeah. Like, I can, like, I see why this is a product of that and this is a... I don't know. I, I think you're on to something here because, like, so I always say when people ask for writing advice, which happens to me occasionally, um, they're like, how do I get into writing or what's a good place to start? I always say to like, start with doing some fan fiction because yeah. it's hard to do sort of world building. It's hard to, when you're starting writing, it's like hard to get like the whole process. But if you sort of like know the characters, if you know the world and you can sort of write fan fiction, like based off of that, like it's a good starting place. And yeah, I think it feels it's weird also... to say it to an adult, but then I think back and it's like, from the age of thirteen, I was doing that, and so yeah. by the time I got, by the time I got to, I'd say probably, well, I moved into adaptation, so I wrote adapt like for uh, screenplay adaptations of my favorite right. books to practice right. script formatting. Mm -hmm. I had lots of friends at secondary school, as you can tell. So I'd like to sit in my room and like rewrite my favorite young adult novels into screenplays just as right. a writing exercise. And then I haven't really done that in the last 10 years, but I think it's because I, you take for granted that that's what you're doing as a kid. So. Yeah, for sure. Like, I think that's a good, like, I think that's what Jane Austen was doing too with these, like, well, you can see it with Love and Friendship and you can see yeah. it with Northanger Abbey, which is her first book. It's like, she's and taking And and Anger and stuff. Yeah. Like the others, they were like bouncing off each other. So where Jane was doing it on her own. Yeah. So she was like piggybacking off the work of other writers. You've got the Brontes who didn't need to do that as much because they were piggy, like they were bouncing off each other. Exactly. Exactly. Like one person did one thing, the other person would like build a flat and yeah yeah so i think that's what jane austen was sort of doing and you, there's more similarities i feel between like love and friendship and northanger abbey than than the other books yeah. too um the relationships yeah. with the women and then also sort of like the drama um but yeah she's sort of taking these elements from udolfo and like kind of throwing them in there and subverting them and it's a good it's a good place to start um i always say that to, to authors yeah so if you're, you're looking to start like totally yeah rewrite I think that what you did is awesome. Like rewrite your favorite book into a movie or um, do an adaptation, modern day adaptation or just something like that. It just helps you like get like the feeling and the form down. Um, also, I think with these trashy books, like it's, 
Ira Glass has this thing that he says about people who want to start a creative craft, like, you know, movie making or writing or whatever. Like they have like this taste level usually that's like up here, but their Mm -hmm. skill level is down here. Yeah. And um, like, it's really easy to like look at something you love and just say you love it, but not really understand why you love it. Um, and then I probably did like, definitely didn't say that. Right. But, <laughs> I don't know. but I don't you know, but like, you know, like... when you look at something you hate, you're like, okay, I understand what the problem is here with this pacing or with this plotting. Like it's easier to sort of figure out what is wrong with something that's trashy or bad or you know like like it's easier for you to i really it. like the way that um is what's this american life on is that npr uh yeah mm-hmm. yeah so that like npr podcast so like serial like s towns to a certain extent although i didn't like it as much uh in comparison to unlike gimlet media podcasts as well in comparison to say radiotopia which i do listen to and this is very podcast nerdy i'm sorry but I actually think that Radiotopia is um, over pop, uh, over edited. Okay. And so I find it harder to listen to because there's so much music and there's so much special effects. Yeah. And it's just, and it's just a lot. And it's, it's you know, almost like, like manipulative. You, yeah. You start, uh, but it's like, I don't care. Like I'm not listening to it for sound effects. Like well mm-hmm. done for having like a good, like back catalog of dogs barking. Mm-hmm. But um, like, so when we started this podcast, it's like easy to say, oh, I want it to sound like this or like this is how I want the interviews to cut into it. And it's like, cool, but we've just started podcasting. Yeah. And like, maybe we'll get there. But at the moment, we're like. We're baby podcasters. We're baby podcasters. We've got to grow into toddlers. I hope eventually. we do get that. Yeah, I hope we do, too. <laughs> I think we will. Um but I think, you know, we talked about this a little bit in Love and Friendship versus The Secret. Like, that's that's kind of like where that's where Jane's head was at when she wrote Northanger Abbey. And it doesn't surprise me that it's um, like one of the least favorites. Like when we poll people, whenever we, we interview guests, we always poll people and say, what's your favorite? What's your least favorite? And um, Northanger Abbey, Mansfield Park and Emma are consistently the least favorites yeah which does Northanger Abbey get least favorite I just feel like you don't like I don't even think of it so it's um, never it it's, it's just like in the middle for me it's just like for yeah it's there. I don't yeah. really dislike it but I don't like it as much as I like some of the others yeah I'm in the same place even though I'm fighting for it this week <laughs> it's a great like it's I mean, I've just said that and I'm like it's a great book I think I think people should read it yeah it's a great the book latest, and the latest adaptation of it was super cute. I felt like they yeah. got the comedy of it just yeah. right on. It was so, so nicely done. Yeah. Really liked it. Absolutely. Um, it was really, it was really well done. It's a hard, it's a hard one. Um, cause, cause yeah, you got a lot of things. Well, let's, let's jump into it. So Northanger Abbey is Austin's first book. It was written between 1798 and 1799, and it was originally entitled Susan. Um, it was sold to a publisher for 10 pounds in 1803. I think we've actually, I think you've actually covered this. So sorry yeah. for the redundant information. Um, and then in 1816, Henry Austin bought it back for 10 pounds uh, for Jane so she could revise it. And then um, it was published uh, after her death in a volume with uh, Persuasion, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they were published, both published post-Felicity. Which I, I find interesting. Um, I'm going to read Persuasion next. It's next on my to-read list. So doing the two um, bath Love books back, to, back together. Yeah. Well. Don't you think it's interesting that they are her first and last complete novels? I, I do. And that's why I wanted to read them like back to back as well. Yeah. Sort of see uh, how she progressed. Jane Austen. <laughs> uh, see, you know, see what we see. See if I like Persuasion this time. I don't know. Unclear. We'll, we'll see. I'm taking you along the gravel walk and we're going to look at the circle. Is it the circle? The crescent. The crescent. <laughs> What's the one that isn't? I was going to say the semicircle. The, the semicircle. <laughs> yeah, I've been up to the crescent. It's well, been a while. It's gonna, beautiful. I'm going to pretend though. like I'm Captain Wentworth and I'm going to oh. you. Oh, whoa. Yeah. You're going to record that? Swooning. Definitely oh, not. <laughs> it's a private moment. It's going to be like that bit in Star Trek where Commander Riker's teaching Wesley Crusher how to do chat-up lines mm-hmm. with Guinan. It's going to be like that. That'll be adorable. Whoa, we just went down a rabbit hole of my knowledge. We did. Levels. We did. I'm indeed. Sorry. That's all right. It's fine. There's plenty of crossover, I'm sure. None. None. <laughs> That's the only one. Um, so the heroine of Northanger Abbey is Catherine Moreland. So she definitely changed that name from Susan to Catherine. Um, I kind of, my first laugh in the book, I think, is when Catherine is described. Like how she's like a plain girl. Yeah. She's like unexceptional. (laughs) She's got like too many siblings to be of any interest to anyone. Yeah, exactly. There's just too many kids. She's just like in the middle there somewhere or towards the, towards the top. Yeah. Um, But no one really cares about Catherine. Um. But she kind of grows into her prettiness. So she's just sort of a stark contrast to most like gothic heroines who are like these beautiful creatures with long flowing hair and they're, you know, they're virtuous and good at everything and amazing. And um, yeah, Catherine's just like sort of all right. Like she's just there. <laughs> Which I actually really identify with. Um, well, I. I kind of I like that because like with my first big character, I wrote a web series called P.I. Jane. And um, that was how I, like I described Jane. And she's just sort of like plain Jane. She's just sort of like any any girl. She's not exceptional in any way, shape or form. Um, I really like that because I really sort of like identified with that. And I could have like a lot of fun with that character, like putting an un- quote unquote unexceptional person in like exceptional circumstances. Yeah. So I I enjoy that about Catherine. Um, But she does sort of grow into her prettiness, which, you know, whatever. And, um, you know, she has a a little adventure. Um, So yeah, there's 10 children in that family. Yeah, there's a lot. It's too many kids. Way too many kids. Um, So Kathy is sort of, well, she's approached by Mrs. Allen, who is her neighbor. And the Allens um, have a ton of money and they're like, hey, why don't you um, come with us to Bath and be sort of Mrs. Allen's companion? And um, I really actually enjoy the Allens in this book. Like Mr. Allen is kind of similar to Mr. Bennett. Like he's kind of grumpy and funny. And then Mrs. Allen is just super fashion obsessed. Like everything she says sort yeah, of relates they- back to a dress. I like that. <laughs> They're not allowed to go out until they've seen what everyone is 
wearing that season. Yeah. Right? Is that yeah. thing? Or am I remembering that? Yeah, no, that's that true. Thing? No, you're correct. I like that. I think that's how think life that's should funny. be, actually. I imagine a lot of people did that. I think that Especially that's... if you lived in the country when you first arrive in town. Yeah, I think that's a direct comment on Bath, like for sure. And how I wonder if her mom were. was like that. Jane Austen's mom? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Because her mom was, um, you know, she came from money. She yeah. loved Bath. She loved Bath because it was fashionable and because it was full of people. And so a lot of the reasons that Jane gives for disliking Bath would have been the things that her mum was drawn to. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, her mum was very clever, so she's not like a Mrs. Bennet, but like there would have been elements of her being like, come on, let's go and let's stay yeah. in like, a nice part of town. And, yeah. yeah, I like that theory. I'm co-signing that theory. You're a professional uh, Janeite. Yeah. <laughs> it, is, it is so. What you say is so. <laughs> Um, so just to sort of like run through some of the story points real quick, uh, Catherine and the Allens go to the assembly rooms for a ball, which is completely packed. Um, that's the other thing that I like about that adaptation with, uh, JJ Field is when they go to the ball and just like how crowded it is and how you can just see like the tips of the feathers and people, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really, um, I love that adaptation. It gives you a really good sense of like what it would be like to be in the assembly rooms at that time. I've, I've been just as a visitor and they're just empty and it's nice, but it's like so sad. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so they kind of like wish they knew someone. They're just at a party and just they don't know anyone. And it's just kind of sad and awful. And this made me because um, I read a lot of like Reg- Regency romance. Can't talk. And uh, I do love like the balls and the books and like the way the clothes and everything are described and the parties and everything. And I've never really considered this thing of like going to an assembly room and not knowing anyone and just feeling really awkward and terrible which is the reason why I skipped like so many parties in high school (laughs) I'm like yeah that would be awful I hate this um eventually Catherine has this like meet cute with Henry Tilney who is your favorite he's your second favorite I don't know where they are anymore oh these boys are mud it's just a quagmire of men (laughs) (laughs) Henry Tilney is um He's very charming. He comments on the dresses. He's funny. He's quippy. He's different for an Austin, like, hero. Yeah. yeah. I think maybe he is my favorite again. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I just remembered that. He's Until funny. we talk about persuasion. Uh, well, right now I'm going to say Henry Tony is my guy. <laughs> he's, oh, he's he's your boo. Okay. Um. Yeah, so they have a little meet cute. They sort of get on. Um. Then he leaves. And uh, he's gone for like a week. Yeah. In the meantime, Mrs. Allen uh, runs into one of her old friends in Bath called Mrs. Thorpe. Mrs. Thorpe inter- introduces her three dollar uh, three daughters, Catherine, um, Anne, and Isabella. Isabella, thank you. <laughs> She's so important. She's so important. I just had like a mind like wipe. It was crazy. <laughs> She's played by Carrie Mulligan in, in the adaptation that indeed. we keep referencing. I am, uh, I'm definitely going to blame the uh, dollar store cough syrup that I took before this episode for that. <laughs> <laughs> Just bits of my, my brain are going blank. Um, but yes, Isabella. 
And Isabella does that thing that you love where she becomes besties with Catherine. Immediately. Immediately. I see you and I love you and I want to be your best friend. Which is love and friendship all over again. What would the page by Isabella Thorpe say in the burn book? What would? Isabella Isabella Thorpe is a shady bitch. Oh. can't trust her. Do you Absolutely. Trust her? Don't She's a snake. Trust her. You know what's funny? Sidebar. Hard sidebar. Um, <laughs> someone the other day asked me how you and I met. And um, I was like, well, <laughs> a mutual friend introduced us, but Hannah didn't want to meet me at first. <laughs> <laughs> So it was like this weird situation where we were in the same place at the same time and our mutual friend was there and she was like, I want to introduce you to this girl, Hannah, but I don't know if she wants to meet you. And I'm like, what? (laughs) So we sort of had like the opposite meeting of like Isabella and Catherine. told me about you and I can't remember what he said, but he described you in like such a way that I was like, uh, I do not want to talk to this girl. (laughs) No way. And then we met and we became friends, but we didn't become instant best friends like people in Jane Austen novels. Like that did not happen. We did not have an Isabella and Catherine journey. We did not. We had like, um, none of these girls make friends. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) who did we become friends like? I was like, wait, I don't think Jane Austen had many female friends. (laughs) (laughs) Like name a friendship that isn't like, I mean, just um, Charlotte Lucas and Elizabeth Bennet. Oh, okay. They're they're pretty. Yeah. Who's the Charlotte Lucas in our friendship? (laughs) Right? Good point. I don't know. Good point. But yeah, there's probably other friendships. We'll have to do a whole episode on friendships. Besties. Yes. In Bronte and Austen novels. This will require some some work and some thinking. We became friends in the way that Jane Eyre became friends with her cousins that she didn't know were her cousins. Oh, okay. Uh, and what happened was I stood outside Lauren's house looking in the window <laughs> and fainted. <laughs> that sounds right? about right. That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we became friends. Uh, so, um... Isabella and Catherine, BFF forever. Catherine's just sort of like taken in by it. Like my, the thing about Catherine is that she's kind of, she's kind of dim. Like she's Super not, naive. she's just really naive and just easily like let in by Isabella. Yeah. Just like, oh yeah, you, you seem cool. Okay, cool. Let's be best friends now. Um, she's like, she's like Fanny Price, but she doesn't have like this strict internal moral code. Yeah. Yeah, she's not fully so developed. So she, she, yeah, she's like, I think she and Fanny are both like, oh, like, this seems wrong. But whereas Fanny would just be like, no, nah, I'm not doing it. Yeah. Catherine's like, well, I guess if you say it's okay. Yeah, pretty, exactly. Um, so she's just kind of, she's kind of a hard heroine to like stick with. I think that's probably why people have such a problem with her, to be honest. Yeah. Um. So, uh, Catherine and Isabella, BFF, Isabella's like, hey, 
you should meet my brother. He's friends with your brother. We're all going to be, you know, going on dates together. It's going to be great. And um, John Thorpe is introduced, which I just really do not care for John Thorpe. Like anytime he appears, I just like start fast forwarding because like the first scene when he meets Catherine, he's just as banging on about traffic. Yeah. It's so annoying. Well, he's just he's just this like non-person, isn't he? Yeah. John Thorpe is the OG fuckboy. <laughs> Absolutely. He's the worst. And I totally get the point that like Jane Austen is trying to like get across, but I just hate reading all of it. Like I'm like, yeah, after like after like two or three lines, I'm like, I get it, I get it. I feel like she could just like trail him off. Like I get it. Like I feel like I could read John Thorpe dialogue all day. Oh god. Hate I really appreciate I really appreciate John Thorpe's presence in that book. Oh my god. Not a fan. Not a fan of John Thorpe. (laughs) If I met him in real life, I'd just walk away. I wouldn't even if say I anything. Had, if I had to date one of the Austin bad lads, it would be John Thorpe. No, it would not. Yeah, I'm calling. Yeah, I'm calling it John Thorpe. I John would, Thorpe. I absolutely like date Wickham over John Thorpe. Are you kidding? No, because like, like you have you some. You, you'd at least have a good Wickham's time. Like a you'd have like a good. <laughs> I guess you're right. Come on, but you, you know, guys like always do this. I feel like everyone <laughs> just forgets how like he's not just rude he's like an awful human being willoughby is an awful human being (laughs) that's bad people john thorpe's bad because he's a liar and he's like trying to get with her for money he's a fortune hunter isn't he yeah like he's a fortune hunter he's just a boring fortune hunter just a boring one funny he is the worst can't with john thorpe um he would john thorpe is a cast member of made in chelsea like he fits right in, except I, he's like poor. I like absolutely agree. I absolutely agree with that. That would be fantastic. That would be a great storyline for Maiden Chelsea. Imagine just like Regency John Thorpe, like just walking onto the cast. <laughs> <laughs> it would be so funny. That would be fantastic, actually. I'd be into that. <laughs> no. So, um, that little foursome's hanging out, being boring. And um, suddenly the Tilneys reappear in Bath. Yeah. So your boy's back in. And um, he ends up in the most infuriating scene in the book. He ends up like asking Catherine out for a walk. Which is just oh, so cute. And then John Thorpe like goes back and is just like, no, no, no. Like we're going on for a drive. And he like cancels the date. <laughs> Just cancels her date. Just mansplains her out of a date. Ah, he's the he's probably, like he's, he says stuff like, "Oh, he's probably not coming. Look at the weather." Yeah, he's rude. <laughs> like he doesn't say like, "No, you can't go because I want to take you on a date." He like convinces. He gaslights her. He does. He's like, "I saw him. I saw him. He's oh, down God. the street. He was going the other way." Yeah, like, you should just you. you should just come on a you know date with me in my my carriage. Well, it's not just a date. Like, Isabella and her brother are going as well, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a whole, like, day trip situation. Um, but yeah, it's not true. And um, the Tilneys are actually on their way to see Catherine. And then they see her. And it looks like, you know, she's standing them up or just, you know, blowing them off for the most boring man alive, John Thorpe. 
And the sister's um, as upset, you know. The sister wants yeah. to be her friend. Yeah, like, Eleanor. Genuinely. This is but true, yeah. I not in the... Yeah. I did skip Isabella over the fact John. that, like, Eleanor genuinely does want to be friends with Catherine. Eleanor is Henry Tilney's sister, and he she does want to be friends, and yeah, it's And the upsetting. siblings act, like, in their mirrors of each other. The way Eleanor wants to become friends with Catherine is to spend time, like, one-on-one. Like, they'll go for a stroll. Mm-hmm. She understands that, you know, she probably, like her brother likes her so she needs a chaperone whereas um Isabella is just like yeah we'll just go off alone with our brothers like yeah. it's gonna be great like yeah this is that's a good point as well um but like eventually everything gets cleared up Catherine goes on her country walk with Tilney and um that country walk I have some thoughts on <laughs> <laughs> what are your thoughts I have some thoughts on that. Well, it's nice that they have this like one-on-one time to actually fall in love. And they actually do later on to Northanger Abbey. So that is very different for this book. You know, there's not a lot of like pining with the two leads. There's just a couple of like misunderstandings. And then they actually have this walk. And then, you know, eventually he invites her to come stay at Northanger Abbey. And they have like time together. And they sort of like just love and appreciate each other and that's very nice and that's different for austin Mm -hmm. um henry is funny but like he's like a little bit of a mansplainer like he's really he really likes his own cleverness like he really thinks he's hilarious yeah um and austin has this line on the country walk which i i love it's my favorite uh bit of the book let me pull this up here. Um, so, okay. So Henry is, Henry and Eleanor are both, you know, they're very accomplished and uh, they're great at like drawing and painting. And Catherine is, you know, like a bit of a wet blanket and she doesn't really, I don't know. She doesn't really do anything except for read novels. Well, she's unexceptional. She's got, you know. Yeah. She's got nothing going. And I think there's this moment where she starts to feel very insecure when she's around Henry. Like he's so clever and he's so accomplished and he's talking about painting and maybe I should learn how to paint. And, you know, he is like sort of explaining to her, like what would be a great scene to paint and what goes into like, you know, creating these landscapes and blah, blah, blah. Um, And she's feeling a little bit insecure, but Austin is kind of saying, don't worry about it. Don't be insecure. And here's the, uh, Here's the quote. Catherine did not know her own advantages, did not know that a good looking girl with an affectionate heart and a very ignorant mind cannot fail of attracting a clever young man. Yeah. Like, whoa. Yeah. (laughs) Don't worry about it, Catherine. You're young and you're cute and you're dumb. And he loves hearing himself talk. So uh, you're going to do fine. I'm pretty sure there's this whole bit in Jane Eyre where, like, Mr. Rochester's like, you don't have to experience the world because I've already done it. Let me tell you. Yes. (laughs) It's it's exactly the same thing. Yeah. Exactly. So that is really the joining heart of these two books, to be honest. (laughs) Mansplaining. (laughs) Just mansplaining. Don't worry. We love ignorant women. You're always going to find a husband. And I kind of feel like that's a, I don't know, that like, that felt very personal to me. Like Austin's like, don't worry. Ignorant girls will find husbands. Like, it's almost like I'm, I'm a bit clever and I'm a smart ass and I have a lot of, I'm having a hard time attracting a mate because of it. That's what I read into that. It might be way too much. No, that's like my life right now. 
Okay, there you go. I know too much about Game of Thrones, so I'm intimidating. <laughs> intimidating. You are intimidating. Let me tell you some theories. No, I won't. <laughs> Maybe off mic. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's like my big my big thing about Tilney. Bit of a mansplainer. Just kind of wants a cute, young, dumb girl to laugh at his jokes. He's into it. I'm into Tilney. <laughs> I just winked. That one. <laughs> it was good. <laughs> it was a good wink. Um, sort of like just to wrap up Northanger Abbey, because not a ton really happens. Um, they go on the country walk. You know, she's invited to Northanger Abbey. On the way there, Henry's kind of teasing her. And, she, you know, she's talking about the Abbey because, again, she's obsessed with Gothic literature. And she's like, oh, I bet it's going to be this great big like haunted house. And he's kind of like egging her on like, oh, yeah, it is. Totally. There's, you know. Just, yeah. And she, then she starts thinking about it when she gets to the Abbey. Like, oh my God. Like, yeah, and he keeps is. saying, like, my dad killed my mum. <laughs> Doesn't he, he doesn't does say, he say like that like that. a ton of times? No. My dad killed my mum. No. Him. Well, she gets right. it into her head because she doesn't really quite like his dad. Yeah. And the house is, like, spooky and, you know, like, little light spooky things happen. Like, she finds this, like mysterious like manuscript and and there's a room isn't there with the portrait in and it's not on like display yeah exactly it's like a forbidden room and of course she you know is like i want to go there i mean and um in like the most awkward scene ever she goes to this room where she's where she's been banned from and henry finds her in there and he's like what are you doing and she's like well i have this theory that your dad killed your mom He's just like what? <laughs> sort of. That's what he says. He says sort of. Well, kind of like he's like, listen, but it, it, it didn't go down like that, and uh, he doesn't say it that clearly. He's like, well, he did kill her in a way, and then he says, <laughs> in the in well, the movie he says by like, not yeah. giving her any attention, right? It's during neglect. Yeah, during the um, I think that's is that only in the movie or is that the text as well? I can't remember. Oh no! I did them both back to back, but I think that's only in the movie where he's just kind of like, uh, in a way, he killed her. In the book, oh. he's like, it was a like a horrible death, and um, <laughs> I really miss my mom, and this was terrible, and everyone was like really horribly affected by it. My dad definitely did not kill my mom. Um, and then she's really embarrassed, like, oh, sorry. I'm embarrassed. <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> and um. Yeah, and then Eleanor, his sister, comes to her room, you know, late at night, knocks on the door, and is like, hey, you've got to leave. Like, you've got to leave Northanger Abbey. And Catherine's like, oh, my God, like, Henry has told you this horrible thing that I have said about, you know, your dad killing your mom. I'm so embarrassed. Like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to go. And she yeah. travels, like, 11 hours, I think it is, by coach back home. All on her own. All like, on, on her, her own. own. shocking. Exactly. Like, yes. Should not do it. And not just on her own, guys. Not in a private carriage. Yeah, that's right. She doesn't right. send his carriage. She goes in a public carriage. Yeah. Just like throws this young girl out. So it's really shocking. Um, yeah. But it's like a nice like growth experience for Catherine, right? Like she's yeah. really like learned what some stuff. You, makes you stronger. Yes. So she kind of comes out of this um, a little less naive and um, a little stronger and uh yeah oh god we've like missed a huge chunk so uh, we'll say the reason why she's ejected from northanger abbey is not 
um, because of this thing that she has said to Henry. Henry actually kind of recovers from it pretty well. He's like, yeah, you said a stupid thing. She like apologizes for saying a stupid thing, but like, that's not why she was kicked out. The reason why she was kicked out was she was invited to Northanger Abbey because Henry Tilney's dad was under the impression that she had a vast fortune or like the, 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 the Allens. Yeah, who she's were, staying with in Bath, remember? Yeah. And I guess you have to remember, too, like, that, you know, Mrs. Allen has bought her all those clothes. She looks really yeah. presentable and nice. And so they think that she is, you know... And why heirs. do they think that? Because the Thorpes think it, too. Yes. That's why John Thorpe and Isabella Thorpe are sniffing around them so much, because they're yeah. fortune hunters. Yeah. And why does John not want her to hang out with Henry? Because he wants that. John thinks for he's himself. doing the same thing. Exactly. It doesn't occur to John that Henry wants to be with her because he yeah. likes her. Exactly. Because John doesn't think she's funny or interesting. He just wants the Alan money. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, um, Isabella does manage to get herself engaged to Catherine's brother, who she thinks has a ton of money, and then she comes to realize that. He does not, in fact, have any money. So she starts flirting with Henry Tilney's older brother, um, who really sees her as disposable. He doesn't see her as like, you know. In the the adaptation, they have sex. Yeah. I assume that was such a big spoiler. Huge, huge spoiler. And then she's like, now we're engaged, right? And he's like, get out of here. We should beep out that whole bit just until I say it and that was a huge spoiler. <laughs> so Elder Til- Tilney is a bad lad. The, yeah, yeah, he's a bad lad too, but he won't make it onto the bad lad episode. No, he's not important. Because he's like a sub, he's a sub bad lad. Yeah. yeah. He's a background bad lad. Exactly. A lot of bad lads. BBL. So, um... <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, Tilney realizes that um, Catherine does not have this fortune. And um, even though his father, you know, really wants him to to marry a woman who has a ton of money, he goes against his father's wishes. And he's like, let's get hitched, Catherine. Also, I'm sorry, my dad just like threw you out in the middle of the night. So, yeah, that was uh, that was Northanger Abbey. Beautiful. I think Northanger Abbey is so, like it's such a nice story. Like it's so it's, yeah. There's something so simple about it. I really appreciate it. It is very simple. I here's my thing. I um, yeah, it's cute. It's nice. I think it's a nice first novel. I, I think, uh, yeah, I was just. I think, I think that's think it's what a it is. Intro to Jane Austen that isn't Pride and Prejudice. Like if you yeah. don't want to go for something more obvious, or if they're a bit younger, you know. Uh, yeah I, I like it um I think it doesn't quite take the gothic themes like far enough like I think she could have really rolled with it um it so it feels a little tortured like it feels like it's on the edge of parody or satire not quite there do you know what I mean like it I know because I thought it did a good job you did but I also don't really like I, I'm not as into gothic literature as you are yeah so for true. me as yeah. like someone who's kind of on the edge of it it's like I'll read it if it's put in my way mm-hmm. but I wouldn't say that I go out of my way to to read horror or gothic or like mysteries you know okay. Okay. Uh, give me smooching I'm the I think book. that's fair I like that um I but I actually I think it's a cute little book yeah 
It's a cute little book. I'm going also... to give it 8 out of 10 stars. Yeah, I'm going to give it, uh, yeah, I'll do the same. 8 out of 10 stars, but the happy Chapman seal of approval. <laughs> <laughs> Look at us agreeing on the podcast today. Um, I also think, my big thing about Northanger Abbey is I think this is the one that would um, translate best to a modern adaptation. Yes. So um, I want to do it. In fact, this morning on Twitter, um, I don't know. There was a call for pitches from some publisher. I can't even remember. They're like, hey, tweet us a pitch in 140 characters or less. And I was like, sure. I want to do a modern adaptation of Northanger Abbey where um, Catherine comes from a middle class background, too many kids. And yeah. she decides to spend the summer with her rich uncle and aunt, the, the Allens. And yeah. um, Tim Allen. Tim Allen. Exactly. <laughs> They're, oh my god, what if it was Tim Allen? <laughs> they are um, well off because... He was in a TV show called Tim the Tall Man Taylor. Well, I say in That's my pitch here that he was in the film business. Oh my god. And that they have a house like somewhere like in the Hamptons or like Martha's Vineyard, something like that. Uh-huh. And the Thorpes, like they aspire to be in the film business. Like maybe he's a director or something and they're like, oh, well, we want to be actors. Like we want to be directors or whatever we want to get in with this guy and they think that like they can get to and Catherine's the mom's a gold uncle digger. through Catherine yeah exactly and their mom's a total gold, gold digger and she didn't do as well in the divorce as she thought because she signed a good prenup so now she's got to get money for her kids from somewhere yeah. she got the house in the Hamptons but she didn't get a lot else yeah right exactly and then the Catherine shit <laughs> well Catherine falls for Henry right. and Henry um, well, she's, she, Catherine, she's a simple girl. She's, you know, just finished college and she's obsessed with true crime podcasts. And she suspects her new boyfriend's dad of being like an infamous serial killer. Or just that he's a grisly murderer who murdered their mom and hid the body in the house. <laughs> she's like digging up. She thinks the body's hidden in the house. And she's like, she knows about like secret walls and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like she's just read a book about like secret passageways and so she's creeping around the house trying to find a secret room and she finds one and she's like shit this is where the body is this is where the body is it's not there yeah well she finds literal shopping lists buy one gallon of milk (laughs) (laughs) she's like totally code for murder um yeah i think we should do it my pitch to them was not that long i will say and i did do it i did do it in 140 characters like i just was like hey what did they say? Oh, I don't know. I haven't checked Twitter. Let me play as well if you do it. Let me play. Yeah, you should come up with a couple pitches too. We'll just pitch at them like all day. Just random like... It's always like a Jane Austen or a Bronte like modern adaptation. Yeah. Until they just finally block us. Yeah. Okay. We'll do that for the rest of the day. So... Uh, adaptation of Pride and Prejudice but they're all Mormons. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> oh, been there, done that. <laughs> so we are um, approaching the hour mark and um, we have yet to talk about Jane Eyre. So we're going to do that in our next episode. And we swear this time they will be back to back. So next week, join us for our Jane Eyre episode. We have a lot to say. Um, Hannah, where can our listeners find us on the Internet? I was about to give them my personal address where they could come and hang out with me. But I guess on the internet, you can find us on uh, Instagram. 
and on Twitter at Bonnets at Dawn. All right. And uh, we are also on iTunes. So please leave us a review. Please leave us a review. That would be fantastic. It helps people find us. Uh, we want more people discovering the podcast. We if you should. Read... Oh, yeah. Go uh, ahead. I was going to say, ahead. if you read us, if you write us a review, we'll read it on the show. Yeah, absolutely. Good or uh, bad. <laughs> whatever you say, we'll just read it on the show. You can just leave us like a nonsense review. Just tell us how your day was, like what you had for breakfast. I don't want to know that. I want to know how good my voice sounds on the radio. <laughs> just please cut that out. You want compliments. <laughs> just want compliments. <laughs> um, so yeah, that would be really, really helpful. Also, um, when this podcast drops, we should this time be on Stitcher. So if you guys are using Stitcher to listen to your shows, uh, check us out there. Uh, thank you so much. Join us next week for Jane Eyre. And we will, you know, look forward to all of your tweets telling us how ridiculous this episode was. Bye, guys. Bye. <laughs>